Hello, this is Angela Schaefers, the host of Your Story Matters radio show. Today we have a special guest, Edward Grennan. He is the author of Promise of Hope, How True Stories of Hope and Inspiration Saved My Life and How They Can Transform Yours. He is also Editor-in-Chief at Guidepost. Hi, Edward. Welcome to the show. Hi, Angela. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. How are you today? Pretty good. Um, I'm looking out at a gray, rainy day here in New York City, but um, but spring is here, so that's what's important. That's right. It will clear soon, one way or another. Yeah. I was really interested in your time at Guidepost and what you do there. That is part of your story, and I'd love for you to share about that. But before we go into your adult life, let's talk a little bit about your past, because I know that led up to you're dealing with some things that you had to face and heal from, which actually commenced into the book. Right, right. I, you know, I've been the editor-in-chief of Guidepost Magazine for about a uh, dozen years now. And, and for a dozen years before that, I, I was a, a staff editor, sort of moving up the masthead. And um, what we do at Guidepost is we deal in true stories of hope and inspiration. They're first-person stories. And, and my job for the last 24 years is, has really been about Helping people tell their stories. And I think, you know, I think that our stories are really who we are. Um, uh, our stories are as much of, uh, they're, they're like a photograph uh, of, of our internal map. And, and the roadmap of our lives really are our stories. And sharing our stories, um, telling our stories, and hearing our stories. You know, we are, we are uh, storytelling animals. I mean, anthropologists are always pegging human beings as being the tool-making animal or the language animal. Mm -hmm. But I think more than anything, we're the storytelling animals mm -hmm. because we have been trying to tell our stories to one another as a way of revealing ourselves and, and connecting with other people since we could write on cave walls. And that was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So Guidepost is all about telling those stories. And, and that's what I've been sort of immersed in for the last 24 years is helping people tell their stories. And I learned, um, you know, I, I think I've learned something about people from, from hearing their stories. And certainly you know, the crux of any story is change. You know, you tell a story because there's going to be a change within that story, whether a change in yourself or, or in, you know, the circumstances of the story. Right. All storytelling is about change. Mm -hmm. And I began to think about what I had learned about how people change, because change is both the hardest thing that we do and one of the things that we actually all have to do. Right. So, um, so I... I I thought about this, and I, and, I, and I thought about some of the great stories I'd worked on and the great people I'd met throughout my career here and what their secrets were. What were the characteristics of these people who mm -hmm. were able to, to change something important and big and uh, meaningful in their lives? So I came up, that's how I came up with the, the nine keys, the nine transformative keys to personal change and growth. And each chapter is devoted to one of those keys. Mm -hmm. So I was about to sit down and write this book for Guidepost, and we've been talking about it for a while. And I was um, at home, and I had the book contract spread out across the, the dining room table. And my wife looked at it and said, so what, what is the book going to be about? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, and I explained basically what I just did, that it'll be about these powerful stories that have influenced my life and changed the way I look at the world. And uh, she said, well, Edward, you're going to put your own story in there, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And I stopped and I paused and I said, well, I thought maybe I'd touch a little bit on my own story. Mm -hmm. And Julie said, how do you touch on a story like yours, Edward? Mm -hmm. 
And it really took me aback. And I went for a walk with our dog and thought about it because I'd had this history when I came to guideposts, uh, mostly in my 20s and early 30s, where I'd, I'd struggled with a lot of things, including drug addiction, substance abuse, homelessness. Um, mm-hmm. And when I came into guideposts, I had no idea what guidepost was. I just sort of stumbled in the door, desperate for a job. Mm-hmm. I was desperate for a job to keep body and soul together. And I had been told by people who were trying to help me that I needed to find a job and hang on to it for one year. Mm-hmm. That's all. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe six months because I'd never held on to a job for more than even up to a year. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how I came into guideposts, completely sort of blind to what it was. So anyway, to get back to the, the book contract, you know, I came back inside with our dog and, and Julie was standing there, you know, holding the pen and kind of, you know, reaching out to me with it. And she said, look, if you're going to write a book and if I have to put up with that for a year or so, <laughs> make sure it's an honest book. Make sure it's a true book. Tell mm-hmm. other people's stories, but tell your own as well. Mm-hmm. And then she said, then she looked at me and said, Edward, I married you because of your story. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's and, powerful. And then I, I figured, okay, there's <laughs> there's no way out of it now. Mm-hmm. So I signed the contract. And interwoven or interwoven throughout all of the other stories I tell about these incredible people I've met is my own story of of recovery, my journey from um nihilism and despair and suicide to um to the to the hope and and optimism and spirituality that I enjoy today. Mm-hmm. Um, and Guidepost was sort of the final piece of that. And I always thought I'd be doing something else and not writing for this inspirational magazine I, that I had never heard of. And every year that went by, I kept so oh, I'll give it one more year. Mm-hmm. And I'll just hang on for another six months. And then, you know, I'll work on my resume and use the postage meter and the Xerox machine. And then I'll be ready to go <laughs> and, and really get on with my life. And I've discovered the longer I stayed here, the more that this this work nourished me. Mm-hmm. And it was because it was about storytelling. I was a tra- I was trained as a storyteller, mm-hmm. and stories, you know, they they just they mean so much to me. And 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 coming here and and being able to help people present their stories was the most incredible gift of my life. And I didn't realize it for probably five years mm-hmm. until I suddenly looked at myself and I said. Gosh, you're really happy here. Mm-hmm. You know, I have all these other friends in publishing and in theater and in movies, all the people I went to school with and hung out with, and they were all, to varying extents, extent doing well, but they were all pretty unhappy or at mm-hmm. least very anxious. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't wait to get to work in the morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, and when I was here, I felt wonderful. And I wasn't. We weren't. It wasn't about conflict. It was about. It was about inspiration and, and, and people doing positive things right. and people developing positive attitudes towards their life and replacing negative attitudes with those positive attitudes. Mm-hmm. So I love that. That's how I, I, that's how I found myself at Guidepost. And, and so when I wrote the book, I mean, it was a, I mean, what I, I had never told the story about myself. I mean, most of the people who I worked with didn't know it. And certainly the, the audience of Guidepost, which is about 8 million readers a, a month, hadn't heard me talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it came, it was, for me, it was sort of a, you know, it was a leap of faith. It was, it was a bit of a, a risk personally to, I mean, who wants to, you know, admit to the, such degradation mm-hmm. in their past? Mm-hmm. Who wants to talk about, you mm-hmm. know, about hospitals and institutions and detoxes and, you know, convulsions and seizures and 
begging for change on the street and picking well, up cigarettes can, off the sidewalk. Right, I can definitely all, understand that, but I also think that maybe perhaps like myself, you felt some freeing from all that, from unloading that and some additional healing, if you will, just by being able to get your story out. Well, so much of that stuff, that story had lived inside my head and I had told very few people, I mean, Julie knew, I mean, it was good to get it out. You know, it was, it was, it had been fighting for years to come out. And I think it, it took me, you know, 20 some years of kind of cogitating and germinating the story. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm glad I didn't do it, you know, 19 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first showed up here, I'm glad I didn't sit down and try to write a book. I could never have done it. My story need to, needed to kind of mature, mm-hmm. I think, in, in my mind. And I needed to get some perspective on it. Mm-hmm. And then I needed, I needed to acknowledge after 20 years have passed to, to acknowledge that this was part of me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are today, the people we are largely because of the people we were yesterday. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. And, and for me to, I mean, to push, push into the future, to go away from you, to move away from the past is, is a great and healing and powerful and, and healthful thing. But to, to get to the point where you seal off the past and you deny it, then I think you're, you're beginning to live a false reality. Mm-hmm. And I had moved so far. And, and this is, again, is what, what Julie had said to me, is, is that, look, um, if you tell your story, it's going to help people. Mm-hmm. I mean, apart from how it's going to make you feel, which is liberated, mm-hmm. you're going to help people because people will identify with what you went through. That's right. You know, and she was absolutely right. I mean, the response to the book and, has been so overwhelmingly mm-hmm. gratifying. That's wonderful. I want to talk a little bit about the past, though, when you were dealing with the feelings and the emotions of, you know, being addicted and going through the things that you went through. Where did all that come from? What did you learn during that time? And what was it that you think allowed you to continue to get through that and yet, you know, get to that place where you at least took the job and kept it this time? Well, the most, you know, probably the most important revelation that I ultimately discovered in this journey, and which really was the turning point for me towards, you know, recovery and healing. Very, very, it's, it's, it's almost embarrassingly simple what I finally got through my thick skull, and, and that was, you know, I wasn't alone. And I didn't have to, to face my challenges and my issues alone. Mm-hmm. And I had been so isolated for so much of my life, even going back deeply into my childhood. I was a kind of a, an isolated child. And I always, always thought that it was me against whatever was out there, mm-hmm. you know, me against the universe. And, and, and I always thought that the problems are things that a, you kept yourself, yourself, you didn't really share mm-hmm. what your issues were and B you tackled your problem on your own mm-hmm. and there was nothing, no one else. And it was mortifying Mm-hmm. to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And I had a huge problem. I had a huge problem in my life. And I was trying to go about it all by myself. And what I realized is that there are people out there who will help you. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's, a, there's a loving power in your life that's, that is greater than you. Mm-hmm. That is, will very much help you, either directly or through other people. Mm-hmm. And that was when the dam broke for me, to realize that I, 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 I could ask for help but, and get help from others. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what that entailed for me was also sharing mm-hmm. about who I was and what my story was and, and the sorts of things that, it, you know, and I don't know if what occurred in various 
stages of my childhood caused me to be an addict or an alcoholic or homeless or whatever. I mean, it's not that much of a tidy package, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there's a direct causative line between things in my past and how it turned out. But mm-hmm. certainly there are things in my past I needed to face. Mm-hmm. And one was, the, was the, the disappearance and the death of my brother when I was nine years old. Mm. And that certainly was a part of my family history and, and my personal history that, you know, I had talked about, but I'd never talked about in a way that was genuine. Mm-hmm. I never talked about how I felt. I talked about what happened, but I didn't talk about how I felt. Looking back, uh, you know, it, it made me very, I mean, people's emotions were very raw. And I saw, you know, adult human emotion, mm-hmm. you know, in their raw form. And it scared me at the age of nine. Mm-hmm. It scared me quite a bit. And it frightened me that my, my brother, who was, who was, um, who was uh, mentally disabled, he had Down syndrome, it, it frightened me that he could just disappear off the face of the earth mm-hmm. for such a long time. And mm-hmm. then as... He eventually, you know, was was discovered. His body was discovered. Mm -hmm. And it it was something that haunted my family and Mm -hmm. certainly haunted my life. Whether it caused me to later in life go off this cliff from which I almost did not climb back from, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But but certainly that part of my story I needed to put into some context Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of the rest of my life. And I'd never done that. And so for me, that was very liberating. It was difficult to go back and talk about, to go back there and, and, and relive all that. It was really challenging. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I'm sure I it was. Like I, but I think, as you're saying, that the point is to deal with the emotions. At some time or another, we have to all face the things that you know have hurt us, that have confused us. And certainly as a child, you went through all that and didn't have any way to unload that or even comprehend what was happening. Right, and, and that's where I think when we tell our stories, what, what we're doing is, is processing a lot of information and, mm-hmm. and sort of trying to put it into a narrative because we're, we're creatures who understand narrative. Um, we love narrative. I mean, we read books and watch movies and look at TV shows. And I mean, we love narration. And most of us can be completely hooked on some sort of narration, even if it's a sporting event that has a narrative. So when we <clears throat> tell our stories, like I did in, in The Promise of Hope, we're trying to kind of explain our lives in, in narrative terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and our lives are like a narrative. I mean, and, and certainly sometimes, even though I think many things sort of occur uh, in a jumble in life, I think to understand them, sometimes you have to put them into a narrative that makes sense. And I was able to make an awful lot of sense of my life when I worked on this book, which I didn't think I needed to do when I started out, which is why I wasn't going to include my story. I didn't think I needed to make sense of my life. I thought I already had a pretty good sense of what it was. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that, you know, whether you're writing or you're speaking or you're singing or you're playing an instrument, I mean, you're always telling your story. That's right. And when you tell it, when you tell it, it changes you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you become sort of one with the story rather than detached from it. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, and what I found that in this book is that telling stories, your own story and not other people's is a way to grow. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't, you know, stories, our narratives are alive and organic. And as, as we, they're like telling your stories, like walking on a path. Mm-hmm. And every single time you walk through, down that path through the woods, you see something new and different. You see, so it, you know, you see a different perspective, mm-hmm. and that's what I felt throughout the writing of the Promise of Hope was the in, incredible um, richness of not just my story and 
but but everybody's stories that I tell in the book because my story is only you know a, a part of the book. It's mm-hmm. only you know a third of the book. Mm-hmm. The incredible richness and depth and transformative power of of, of people's stories and and I. I remember, you know, I got to talk about in this book is about what it was like to work with some of these incredible people Mm -hmm. and how the process of telling their stories in guideposts really was transformative for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it came out the other end, different people, Mm -hmm. better people, stronger people, deeper people, more spiritual people. Yes, Um, I agree with all of that. I've seen that happen Mm -hmm. and have had that happen in my own story. And I love everything that you're sharing and talking about it definitely is in line with what we're trying to achieve here at Your Story Matters. I want to ask you then, so you talked about, you know, having to reveal some things that most people didn't know about you. And I know that I read that in some of your bio, that these were things that some people were shocked to know after all these years. What did that feel like having to reveal, you know, these parts of yourself and of your past that were maybe humiliating or areas of shame or things like that because I know that when I talk with a great deal of people they often feel like they can't share their story because there's so much there that they're embarrassed about or that would possibly hurt other people especially in their families and I continue to encourage them to you know take that leap of faith and put it out there because I think that it needs to be told so what is your take on that? It it was it's a little bit like you know jumping off a cliff into an icy cold mm-hmm. water. I mean, it really you leave the cliff, <laughs> and there's a feeling of powerlessness and helplessness as you plunge through the air, and then you hit the freezing cold water, and there's a moment of utter, you know, full body shock. Mm-hmm. But then it kind of feels good as you float to the surface and begin to swim and warm up and get your bearings it actually feels good. It feels refreshing. It feels invigorating. And that's exactly how this book started. And I, in the very first chapter, I tell an extremely difficult episode. I talk about what it's like to wake up at, you know, five o'clock in the morning with your hands trembling and, and, you know, and, and dry heaving and realizing that you, you need, in my case, at least I needed, um, I needed a, a drink of alcohol. I needed mm-hmm. it desperately. Mm-hmm. And it was five o'clock in Hoboken, New Jersey, 5 a.m. And the bars didn't open. You couldn't legally sell liquor until 6 a.m. Mm. And that hour, and it happened to me over and over again, I was living in this horrendous flop house. Over and over again, that hour was the longest hour of my life, day in and day out. Mm. And I had to talk about that Mm -hmm. degree of degradation and desperation. Mm -hmm. You know, I would have literally and was literally selling my soul for that that drink of alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to, I had to, you know, it was very hard in that first chapter to describe what my life had sort of boiled down to. Mm -hmm. And, but I remember getting to the end of that narration and finishing up. But I couldn't reread. I couldn't read it for a number of days. And when I did come back and reread it, I felt so relieved mm. that I'd finally told someone mm-hmm. what it felt like. Mm-hmm. You know, someone outside of a very close circle of people, mm-hmm. and actually put it down on paper, mm-hmm. not just you know talked, but had written it down and kind of owned it. Mm-hmm. I owned it, mm-hmm. and that's that powerful. Was, I, it was, and it did. I did have to, you know, go plunging through the air and crashing into the freezing cold water and the shock and breathlessness of that surprise. But, you know, once I got into the water and began to swim, I realized 
what I was doing was an utterly natural phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And it's something that had been growing inside of me and I really think came out when it needed to come out. Mm -hmm. I do think that there's a lot of, you know, it's more than just serendipity in life. I think things happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, things happen to us for a reason. We write books for a reason. We tell stories for a reason. I talk Mm -hmm. to you today for a reason. There's a reason for things. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a reason for me to write my story now. I don't know who I'm supposed to reach with my story, Mm -hmm. um, but I know that there are people out there who are meant to hear the story. That's right. And to hear Mm -hmm. the other stories. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I learned as I wrote the book to have faith in that reason. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. I say that often about the show, that whoever's supposed to hear it and hear something that someone shares is Mm -hmm. going to hear it that day, that time, whenever, and it's the perfect timing. It's an anointed timing, if you will, of someone needing to be encouraged or inspired or, or to realize, like you're saying, that there is hope. There is opportunity for change, for growth, to get out of a life that seems so hopeless and so miserable, there's always another way, and it's just sometimes time, people, a variety of things. And I'd love for you to share with the listeners, how did you actually go about overcoming your addiction? Because as you know, that's huge for people that are addicted. They go through counseling and rehab and all different things that, you know, they struggle with sometimes for years and they still can't be set free. Can you tell right. the listeners what happened to you to finally stop your addiction and your cycle? Well, a couple of things. One, I don't think I ever really overcame anything. I think I, I if anything, I surrendered to the fact of who I was. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a process of letting go and kind of allowing you know, a higher power, a greater loving force in the world than me, certainly, to, I needed to surrender not just my addiction mm-hmm. and my addictive behaviors and my addictive personality, because the, the action, the drink and the drug are, are just, I mean, they're the, 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 they're the symptoms of the disease. Mm-hmm. And, and whatever compulsive behavior a person may be, you know, victim of or enslaved to, whether it's, you know, money or sex or food or power or alcohol or drugs, those are just the symptoms. Mm -hmm. The disease itself, and I think it's the same disease for all those things, is a a disease that is much deeper within Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. And so, so overcoming you know, the symptoms, it's like when you treat a disease, the symptoms disappear. So you, mm-hmm. and I had to realize that, you know, it wasn't about not drinking or not drugging or, or not doing all the other sort of self-destructive activities that, mm-hmm. that I was driven towards because there was a bunch of them. What it took for me was to understand underneath the, the kind of conflicted, troubled person I was mm-hmm. and that that I was not a bad person. Right. I did bad things. I absolutely did bad things. Mm-hmm. I was not a bad person. And that I could get better. But I had to ask for help. I had to recognize that there was a, a power greater than myself that I could turn to and, and really surrender to. And the surrender part took years. It took years for me. It shouldn't take years for other people. But I'm particularly stubborn and willful. Uh, it took me years to kind of... I mean, it took me to the point where I had... I was in a, a hotel room in Copenhagen, Denmark, and I had one leg, it was about the 21st floor, I had one leg dangling out the window. Mm. And I was just, I was willing to just drink myself 
the point of unconsciousness. And then if I fell inside, then I fell on the floor of the hotel room. And if I fell outside, I died. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, didn't really matter to me. I mean, I'd reached the, the greatest sort of um, level of despair, which is mm-hmm. despair of, in, of indifference, mm-hmm. indifference to my own existence. Mm. And at that point, I had an experience, which I, I can't really describe here, but it's described pretty thoroughly in the book, mm-hmm. which is a white light experience. This incredible light filled the room. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I, it's, it's difficult to describe it here, but it was a light that kind of hollowed me out. Mm. It kind of, it, it took, it felt as if the light had, had drained me of, of, of so much of, of what was really um, destroying me. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it began to fill up the space that it hollowed out. Mm-hmm. but not completely, mm-hmm. but there was room there for that light in my life if mm-hmm. I wanted it. Mm-hmm. The light had given me the room within myself to, to, to absorb it and continue to absorb that light and that love for as long as I lived. Mm-hmm. It was then that I really began to turn around mm-hmm. um, and make a, a, a slow, difficult, painful way back. Mm-hmm. Another thing that helped me, though, was also you know getting involved in a group. Mm-hmm. In my case, it was a 12-step group. Mm-hmm. But the idea that there are other people whom you can reach out to and who know how you feel, mm-hmm. know what your story is. Mm-hmm. And one of the great things about a 12-step group is how, you know, for me, it, it was... It was so. It's based on storytelling. People, mm-hmm. every meeting, someone gets up and tells their story, and that kept me coming to those meetings because I loved hearing stories, mm-hmm. and they were the most incredible and, like mine, sometimes very funny, very amusing, very, you know, satirical stories. But they were also deadly serious, and it's the narrative of story, the personal narratives that I heard, that. I mean, that really saved my life, both both in the program and then later at Guideposts. So when I think about the role story has played for me, it's been a life-saving role. Mm-hmm. I mean, stories have saved my life. All my life I've, I've written. I've written since I was a kid, probably knew. I think I, think I decided I, I wanted to write after my brother died mm-hmm. because I wanted, I needed to explain what happened to him. Mm-hmm. The only way that I knew to do it was to tell stories. Right, right. So all my life I've kind of tried to make sense of my existence by either telling my own story or telling my own story through other mm-hmm. people. That's wonderful. I, so if people were to pick up a copy of your book or if one of the um, listeners win a copy today by commenting about your show on Your Story Matters radio show at Facebook or www.yourstorymatters.net, what would they be getting out of um, the book from Promise of Hope? I know there's wonderful stories in there, including your own, but could you give us a few key things that someone could really get from reading that book? Well, I think for, uh, a, a couple of things. Just, I mean, the, the, I guess the frosting on the, the, the book is that it, it's full of, of uplifting, inspiring, you know, promise promising stories. I mean, you read these stories and, and what everyone says to me is they feel uplifted, they feel better, it lifts them out of a bad mood or negative thinking. Mm-hmm. But it also gives you, um, I think it, it shines a light on the path ahead of you in life, mm-hmm. a, a book like this, because you can see that other people have walked the same path as you mm-hmm. and that they have found tremendous happiness and contentment and tranquility and, and um, serenity 
and walking this path. And mm-hmm. I also give you some fairly practical things that, that each, there are, you know, nine specific steps and each chapter deals, you know, I'm talking a lot about story time, but, but I also, I mean, the certain amount of it is more of a practical, I mean, I guess people would call it self-help. I like to think of it as not by yourself help. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Let me give you the nine keys uh, to transformative personal change and growth. Honesty, willingness, imagination, commitment, faith, forgiveness, acceptance, resilience, and finally, love. And love, of course, is the greatest force for change mm-hmm. in the world that there is. Absolutely. Love can change anyone or anything or any situation. Love can transform us and motivate us in ways that we can never really understand until we tap into that tremendous wellspring of, of power mm-hmm. in our lives. Mm-hmm. So the, the book, I think, is a combination of both the, the practical steps that people can take in using their own personal stories to grow and change. Mm-hmm. And it also, I think, is, is, is a, is a, it is uplifting and inspirational. And I think these stories are great. I mean, people say they can't put the book down. When did you ever hear of a, of a book of this nature that you can't put down? Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's because you want to find out who the next person is with the next incredible story of, of hope and inspiration. And you want to absorb some of that hope and inspiration. Mm-hmm. I, I want people to be nurtured and transformed by these stories the way I was, the way my life was, was changed by, by hearing people's stories and, and ultimately by telling, finally taking a dose of my own medicine and telling my own story. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I love everything that you've shared today with us, Edward. And the well, nine you, keys Angela. definitely hit the nail on the head. I mean, they were so perfect to encapsulate everything that really needs to be addressed and dealt with when we think about healing, when we think about making the best of our lives and living out our dreams and having the amazing life that we all deserve. So thank Uh you very much for sharing your story today. And can you share with the listeners where they can get a copy of your book? Sure. It is called The Promise of Hope, How True Stories of Hope and Inspiration Saved My Life and how they can transform yours. And it includes the nine keys to powerful personal change. And you can get this book at guideposts, that's with an S, uh, .org, or at edwardgrinnan.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Angela. It was really, really a pleasure talking to you. You too, Edward. I wish you the best in your endeavors, and I'm so excited to read the book myself, and very excited that we'll be giving uh, one copy away to one of our listeners. Thank you for donating that book. Thank you. You're welcome.